Welcome to God's Acre On The Go, a worship podcast of the Congregational Church of New Canaan in New Canaan, Connecticut. To learn about the life of our church, our in-person ministries, and the virtual connections and offerings available, please visit us at www.godsacre.org. Now, wherever you are, wherever you are going, we welcome you to worship. Church family, this is the day the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome to God's Acre on the Go on Easter Sunday. Uh, Wherever you are, wherever you're traveling, we're so grateful to have you with us tuning in. This is, as I said, the day the Lord has made, and this is the day when we proclaim for the world to hear, Christ the Lord is risen today. So prepare your hearts and minds for that message and our time together as we listen to our own Carl Hedrick and Greer Lyle offer for us in Christ alone. Of Christ. 
This morning, we'll look at the resurrection account from what is believed to be the very first gospel written, the Gospel of Mark. Uh, It is a brief account, um, and one that is a little jarring in its own way, but uh, beautiful as well. So we're looking in Mark chapter 16, starting with verse 1, where it says, When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint Jesus. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they'd been saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? When they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled back. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He's been raised. He is not here. Look, there is the place where they laid him. But go and tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee, and there you will see him just as he told you. So they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. The word of God for the people of God. Let's pray together. Lord God, on this Easter morning, we pray that your word, your story, might quicken something within us, might inspire a hope, might inspire uh, a sense of meaning and purpose that just captivates our whole being. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to do something that I've not done before on an Easter Sunday morning. I want to take a moment uh, before we get to the empty tomb to survey the cross. You know, I don't think we can behold the miracle of this day, not really, without viewing the cross. You know, in this life and in the life that has come, I, I find that resurrection and renewal rarely come to us by any other means. So reflecting on the cross, uh, uh, the Gospel of Mark says this. This is when Jesus is crucified on the cross. It says, when it was noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. At three o'clock, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And admittedly, that might seem like a moment of doubt, but Jesus is actually saying, praying the words of Psalm 22. The Psalms, which would have been Jesus's prayer book. So prayer is on his breath and on his mind and on his heart in this terrible moment. It says, then Jesus gave a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Now, when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way, he breathed his last, the centurion said, truly, this man was God's son. Now, I promise we're going to proclaim the good news that Christ the Lord is risen today. But, but to get there, we really do need to consider the cross. We need to understand that the cross, which uh, we're prompted to focus on every time we enter uh, a meeting house or a sanctuary, the cross represents an important truth of creation and recreation. And this is it, that sometimes, oftentimes, we need to be broken before we can be made new in this life and in the next. When I travel to a new place, I'm in the habit of reading a novel or a history about the destination in advance of my visit. And in anticipation of our trip to San Antonio this past March, I picked up a volume from one of my favorite novelists, James Michener, uh, about Texas. Uh, The book was great, but it was the preface, the preface of his book that really caught me because he wrote about, Michener wrote about his unusual and extraordinary burst of productivity after he turned 80 years old. After 80, for the next four years, he wrote 10 books. 
And if you know anything about Michener, you know he doesn't, he doesn't write slim volumes, uh, heavy, heavy books. So um, Michener, in this preface, tried to explain this unexpected season of renewal and revitalization, and he did it through telling a story of his youth. Apparently, there was a farmer down the lane from where Michener grew up who had this old apple tree that had just ceased bearing fruit. So one spring day, Michener and the farmer, who were apparently friendly, went to the old tree, and the farmer had brought eight long, rusty nails and a hammer. The farmer then proceeded to drive those nails into the tree, four right at the base and four a little bit further up the trunk. The next fall, Michener explained, exclaimed, a miracle happened. The tree suddenly produced an amazing amount of fruit. So Michener asked the farmer why, and, and the farmer said, well, hammering in the rusty nails gave the tree a shock to remind it that its job was to produce apples. So uh, in this preface, Michener reflected metaphorically on the nails that had been pounded into his life at age 80. At 80, Michener had a quadruple bypass, hip replacement surgery, dental rebuilding, and attack of permanent vertigo. So he said, like a sensible apple tree, I resolved to resume bearing fruit. You see, sometimes it takes a shock to our system, even a brush with death itself to remind us who we are, who we're called to be, and what work the Lord wants us to be doing. You know, honestly, life uninterrupted, well, it can become a bit lethargic and limiting. I mean, sometimes, oftentimes, the cross and the nails driven into us are the source of our renewal and recreation. Now, I, I want to offer another example that I think is probably top of mind for each of us, but I want to be absolutely clear. As agents of a loving and just God, we are called to work to eliminate crosses and brutality and war of every kind. There will come a day, we believe, as the prophet Isaiah testified, when they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. We believe there will come a day, as it says in the book of Revelation, when God will wipe every tear from our eyes, death will be no more, mourning and crying and pain will be no more. However, until that day, we really must witness to what is going on around us. We must witness, we need to witness the hardships that inspire renewed life. So at this moment, long, terribly violent, rusty nails are being driven into the people of Ukraine. And I want to be clear, that violence and evil and brutality must be stopped. But, and I, I want to be, I want to be careful here. I also want us to witness to the fact that something extraordinary is happening in Ukraine. You know, honestly, you and I didn't care that much about Ukraine four months ago. Most of us couldn't find Ukraine on a map. We, we may have had some vague recollection that a comedian there had become president and that that Ukrainian president had been tied up in an alleged scandal with our president, which is just a way of saying that before the past few weeks, Ukraine was nothing more to us than a pawn, a poor player, perhaps even a joke. Now, after nails have violently been driven into that nation and those people, what do we see? A tree bearing fruit beyond imagining and beyond any expectation. The Ukrainian people have become the heralds of freedom. They're heroes and martyrs for the unbowed and unbroken human spirit. Their president is seen right now as the most compelling voice of the democratic world. I mean, be honest. Did Ukraine cross our minds or our lips last Easter? No. Not at all. Only our cares about COVID, if you remember. 
Now Ukraine is on our minds and our hearts as never before. The Ukrainian people are an inspiration to us. President Zelensky is now a role model whose name and bravery are known by all. Here's a hard truth. Sometimes nails produce a season of extraordinary growth. Now, you may appropriately wonder why the world has to be that way. Why? I mean, why do nails and crosses and wars serve as these passageways to new life? To form an answer, we really have to turn the question back on ourselves because we are the makers of nails and crosses and wars. But the good news of our faith is that our gracious and good God can turn the instruments of torture we make into symbols of hope, promise, and renewal. I mean, think about it. Here, here's, here's another miracle. It's an Easter miracle. I, I would say the Easter miracle, if you will. Uh, it, how, how many of you listening this morning uh, are, are wearing a cross of some kind or other? And if you're wearing a cross, just think about this. The, the, the cross that you're wearing as a beloved and sacred piece of jewelry, that cross was the most feared form of Roman torture and death for 500 terrifying years, longer than we've been a nation. The cross was employed by Romans as a brutal form of capital punishment and political intimidation. And now, my word, we wear crosses as ornamental jewelry that communicate to the world that we're people of faith. The cross has been transformed, it really has, by the grace and goodness of God from an implement of torture into a sign of faith. See, that's what our God can do with the nails and the crosses and the hardships that are driven into our lives. Instead of defeating us, those torturous experiences are avenues our God can use to bring forth new life. In fact, the nails of hardship and heartbreak might be an essential shock to our system reminding us of who we are and and who we're called to be and what work we are called to do. But I want to be clear. The message of this Easter Sunday is not that which doesn't kill you only makes you stronger. No, no, no. I mean, there's truth in that perhaps, but it's not the Easter truth. See, Easter isn't about what we can accomplish through our sheer determination and strength of will. No, the message of Easter is that our God is greater than anything that might kill us. Death has no victory over God. Nails and crosses and wars and all kinds of terror will not thwart the designs of our Lord. By God's grace and goodness, swords will be turned into plowshares and spears will be turned into pruning hooks and crosses have been turned from instruments of torture into signs of inspiration. I mean, there's a reason we look at an empty cross in our tradition. There's no body on the cross in front of our sanctuaries. The cross is empty because the tomb was empty. Jesus' body was broken without question, was sealed in a cave. But Jesus' story did not end on the cross nor in the tomb. On a Sunday morning like this, with nail marks still visible, new fruit and new life blossomed in the most miraculous of ways. Jesus was raised, life was renewed, and death was defeated. Which means, among other things, that, that we need not fear the cross nor death. Because our God can use both to bring about new life. Today, we remember again that we were created to be free. Free from fear, free from worry, free from death. We are free to live boldly and graciously and generously without reservation. The empty cross and the empty tomb remind us that nothing in this life or in the next can forestall God's designs and God's desires.
our God can turn all things into good. All things. That means nails and crosses and breakups and divorces and depression and disease and lost jobs and failed classes and rejections and missed opportunities and difficulties of all kinds. All things will be used by our God to shock us out of our lethargy and lack of productivity and into a new and extraordinary season of growth and flourishing. And when the cross that stands at the end of our earthly lives begins to cast its long shadow, when our years narrow and the entrance of the tomb widens, when the darkness of death begins to eclipse the light of our life, even then, especially then, we fear not, for we believe in the goodness of our God and the truth of our risen Savior, that there is yet another season to come, a time of eternal flourishing, life forevermore. Let's pray. Lord God, whatever it is, whatever of your word you want to have sink deep into us and take root, we pray that that would happen this morning, that you would grow something within us, a a faith, a determination, a, a fearlessness that you desire us to live with. Lord God, on this Easter Sunday, allow us to cleave to your message that death has been defeated, that torture is no more, and that life endures forevermore. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So church family, on this Easter morn, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with kindness and give you peace now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you for joining us for Worship on the Go. To support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please consider making a contribution by clicking the Give button in the top right on our website, www.godsacre.org, or within today's email. God bless you and have a wonderful week.